Do you feel that in a time when we are more connected than ever, we are drifting away from real human connections, especially to ourselves? I do. Hi, I'm Leticia Latino, and I want to invite you to join me and my very inspiring guests in exploring ways to reconnect to your essence, to your definite purpose, to what makes you tick. Are you ready? Hello and welcome to a new episode of Back to Basics, Reconnecting to the Essence of You. With us today, Sabrina Stowe-Geraldino. Sabrina is the first woman of color, principal owner of a professional soccer team in the United States. Sabrina is also a former celebrity media mogul, representing some of the globe's biggest names. She's a serial entrepreneur, a wife, and a mom. Hello there. How are you doing, Sabrina? I'm great. Thank you for having me, Leticia. No, I'm so excited. Thank you for being here. You know, we've been doing some very exciting episodes with uh, entrepreneur women and, and just women that are trailblazers. So I'm very excited to have you on the show Everything I've read about you, it's uh, very, very impressive. I mean, your short introduction that I just did doesn't serve you well, but that's the purpose of this episode, to get to know you better. Exactly. Thanks for having me. No, thank you. And I know that uh, you are based in New York or New Jersey. You're in that area? Yes, I'm actually on the New York City Harbor in a town called Bayonne. Um, so we're situated in front of the Statue of Liberty uh, World Trade Center right across from Brooklyn, Staten Island and Queens. I can see all all of the boroughs from my home except the Bronx. <laughs> wow, lucky you, lucky you. That sounds fantastic. And obviously, you know that uh, we all know that we are on coronavirus times. So this is very tough times for all that area and all the city and all the world. So hope you're keeping safe up there. Thank you. Yes, we are. Yeah, well, great. Well, you know, I want to, there's so much that I want to talk to you about because obviously there's so many interesting facts, but, you know, I always like to start with uh, with the basics, like your childhood, who you were as a little girl growing up, what you enjoyed doing, what were you passionate about? Well, that's interesting. So as I'm an only child of my mother's, Betty Walker, Stowe Evans. <laughs> and um, I was pretty much spoiled, but there was a lot of discipline and love. Uh, I studied ballet, tap jazz, uh, modern dance, gymnastics. I played the piano, the flute. I sang in the course. So I'm pretty much well-rounded. Um, I come from a, a political background. My family Dr. Martin Luther King is my third cousin, my mother's second cousin, my grandfather's first cousin. On wow. My, yes, on my maternal side. And Governor Troop of Georgia is my fourth or fifth great uncle. So I am a Melungeon American, which is a person of three races here in the United States. My both sides are three races. And um, so I grew up very diverse, very much aware of who I am. My family are important political figures out of Philadelphia, where I was born and raised. And um, I had a lot of independence as a kid. You know, I was able to explore and go camping fishing, you know, dance classes, theater. 
So I'm very fortunate to have the lifestyle, which may be the reason why I am who I am today. I was allowed to live my passion, to do the things that I enjoyed doing, along with, like I said, discipline. So hand in hand, it made a great situation for myself. <laughs> well, I, I love how you define it as allowed to live my passion. That seems uh, something that's definitely a blessing. And uh, part of what we discuss here with my guests is, is their own journey. So it's great to hear that, that, you know, what you were passionate about as a, as a little girl eventually, you know, gave you that platform. And was, was there anything in particular that you dreamt about becoming when you were little? Yes, I dreamed of being a television star. I dreamed of anything involving the, the visual, I'm sorry, not the visual arts, the performing arts. And that's what I ended up doing. You know, I, I actually have been working in the entertainment industry since, well, for quite some time. <laughs> and I started out in, in radio professionally uh, with an internship from college. I worked at Power 99 in Philadelphia. I was in the public affairs and news division. And Really, news and journalism and performing arts was my passion at the time. I went to college for communications. I did not get a chance to finish my degree. However, I always worked in the, in, in the entertainment and journalism specter. Interesting. And is that, is that something like what you described that made you take like, okay, this is what I want to do. And you went straight into it. And for what I read and what you've said, you, you, you became very successful. You founded one or several companies for what I understand. Yes. I remember in elementary school, we had career day and our teachers asked us, what did we want to do? And I said, I want to be a newscast. <laughs> well, lo and behold, they had a sports newscaster be my mentor for the day. His name was Steve Baskerville. He was on uh, ABC or CBS, some something along that line in Philadelphia. Uh, but I wasn't into sports, and I don't think he was into having a young lady, a young girl as a mentee, because for whatever reason, that experience does not stay in my head as a great experience because I don't think he was really interested in having a girl. Mm -hmm. um, however, I have always been told to not let anything stop me to whatever it is that I'd like to do to definitely study it, put my mind to it, get better at it and just pursue it. My mother as a kid had polio at five, she had to be segregated from her family for years and live in a place in Atlantic City that was catered to children with bone diseases. Oh, wow. So she had to learn. Yeah, she had to learn to walk again. She eventually became a nurse. She became a paramedic in the Army Reserve, jumped out of helicopters, had to run five miles, you know. So I learned determination from an early age. There was no way my mother would have allowed me to make any excuses as a girl in, in the sports industry or journalism industry, you know, whatever it is that I could see myself doing, that is what I was told I had to do. Yeah, those are the, I always call it the soft skills or the traits, right, of a person. And as a mom, well, you're a mom, I'm a mom. 
Um, it's amazing the impact those characteristics or traits that we instill in the kids so young can have as they grow up, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah, I definitely am with determination, self-discipline, all, all those, you know, are so, and, and they're hard to like, because I think some people, they are just born with it and it right. comes easy to them. But those, some people, they really, you have to develop it and, and, and it's not easy. <laughs> it's not. I call it the it factor. You should know. You know, I've, I've learned from my daughter that people don't know what they want to be when they grow up. To me, that is unheard of. But I, I learned that when my daughter was going to college because she had changed her major so many times. And I'm like, what are you doing? This is getting expensive. Like, don't you know what you want to do? And she's like, mom, people aren't like you. People don't always know what it is that they want to do. And I, I thought that was the most strangest comment <laughs> ever. Cause I'm like, what do you mean? You don't know what you want to do. Like we all know what we want to do. Maybe someone has a little bit of fear but you ultimately know your your purpose. I think it's up to the parents to help develop that or even whoever you're around to help you develop what your passion and your talents are. I couldn't agree more. And 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 really part of when I got this idea of this podcast, it, it was because of that, that I all the conversation, a lot of the conversations I was having around me we're of you know with people that you know and I'm in the telecommunication industry and I've been there for more than 20 years so after a while you know people get tired and you just hear oh I wish I had done this or this was my dream and I and I'm always one that thinks it's not too late you know it's not like you're super old you could start but the majority sees it as no this is what I chose this is what I have to stick with and so but it's amazing you're right how many people don't know, like, you know, what your your daughter said that, uh, what is my passion? Or they don't want to acknowledge it or... I don't know. I'm still trying to figure that one out, but I'm I'm very excited when I have someone on the on the show that knows because it's completely a total different dynamics, the interview and and, and the things you share because it sounds to me that then you went and and at a very early age pretty much were doing what you wanted to do. Exactly. So tell me a little bit about that. Like when you realize, wow, this is what I wanted to do and now what? And you, I know you did many things within, you know, the, the let's say entertaining. You had a company that represents uh, celebrities and then you mentioned radio. So tell me a little bit about that. Sure. Well, I do know that initially I knew what industry I wanted to be in, but I did not know about publicity. I did not know about what a media buyer did. So some of those skill sets happened to fall in my lap because I was so determined to be in the industry, period. Well, you you may not be able to do this because of whatever opportunities, but I need a media buyer. So to segue or backtrack into how I got started, I remember I um, loved dance. I loved music. I loved acting. And I said, well, I'm going to move to Florida. I had graduated or I finished high school. I was a young mom at 19 and I was compelled to move to Jacksonville, Florida. I packed my bags. My mother could not believe that I was leaving. She said, I'll believe it when I see it. Uh, so I, 
I got on, I drove actually, I didn't get on a flight. I drove my car to Jacksonville, Florida, found an apartment a month prior. So I was able to move right in when I got there. And I started hanging with people that were like singers, you know, how you just put it in the universe and somehow you gravitate to people with like interest. So I started backup dancing and background dancing, actually, and background singing. But unfortunately, after a couple of years in Jacksonville, my mother contracted breast cancer. And yes, and I got a call from the doctors at like midnight. And I was on a 6 a.m. flight back to Philadelphia. And I never went back to Jacksonville, Florida. I never moved my items out, nothing. So my mother passed away six months from that time. Yes. When I got home. So at this time, I was about 24 years old. So I went back to I went to college and to study broadcast because I like I said, I wanted to be in news. I wanted to be a newscaster of some sort. And I could see myself as Phil Donahue, Oprah Winfrey. Like this is the type of the lifestyle that I wanted. So I got into college and I made a phone call to my mother's sister, who was the chief of staff for a congressman. And I said, Aunt Francis, you know, I want to work at Power 99. I know you have connections there. Make a long story short, she made a phone call and I got an internship. So I had to come in 5 a.m. in the mornings on during the week weekends. Oh, and- <laughs> executive and and produce a show, not executive produce, but produce a show. The funny thing is I had not in, in college, I had not taken my core classes for broadcast. And in high school, I only learned television broadcasting, not radio. So a friend of mine who also worked at Power 99, she had to teach me within one four hour setting, how to cut and splice in radio and and edit and put a story together because I did not know any of that. How to use a soundboard, nothing. I only knew television, like I said. So I learned that. I my my boss had told me you have to cut and splice and edit this story. She gave me a story on my first day there at work at Power 99. And it literally took me three hours to do it. So she says, what took you so long to do this? (laughs) And I was like, uh, I just make sure it was right. I did not dare tell her that I had only tried it one time with my friend, Rhonda McCarthy, and that this was totally new to me. Um, because once you're in college, you're not supposed to do your internship until your junior or your senior year. Well, I was a freshman. Um, so, yeah. So, uh, I ended up working, as a single, well, I should say a lead mom because my, my daughter's, my partner at the time, my daughter's father was involved in everything. He's always has been, but as a lead mom, you know, you're taking the child to the babysitter. And when I couldn't get to a babysitter, my daughter had to go to work with me 5am in the morning at the radio station during the weekends when she should have been resting. We, I made a lot of sacrifices, but I learned mostly everything that I know. I've learned it on the job. I've never shared with bosses that I couldn't do something. I just said, yeah, I can do it. So that was radio. At some point, I decided I'm going to go to New York and start my own media buying business. Or at the time, I was thinking of advertising, right? So mm-hmm. 
I could not draw. I was not a graphic artist. I knew nothing about advertising except they made jingles, you know, commercial jingles. This is what I was thinking at the time. <laughs> I, I, I go to New York with basically one paycheck. You know, I like I said, I'm an only child. I, my mother left me a nice estate, but I never really touched other money. So I, I go with my daughter. I rent an apartment. I ended up doing a I worked odd jobs for about a year, but I finally lucked up on an advertising company that said, hey, listen, we are advertisers. We do real estate ads in The New York Times and The Wall Street Journal and Newsday uh, newspapers. So I worked there. I knew nothing about it. I ended up being their top sales rep. So one of the owners named Salvatore Franco, he believed in me. And I said, listen, I've been in radio for a couple of years. I have connections with Bad Boy Entertainment at the time. That's Puff Daddy's record label. I said, why don't I just go and get ads from them? He goes, sure, Sabrina, if you can get ads from a record label, like great. I could not get any ads from anywhere. I started calling the secretaries of various record labels. One girl replied. So I said, listen, I want to talk to your boss. The boss is the, I'm thinking, who's the boss? But it turns out to be one of the owners of the of Kadar Entertainment, which Motown, Universal, et cetera. So she goes, you know, it's hard to get an appointment. You don't, you know, we don't need any advertising. I said, I will pay you. If, if you make this appointment and if they use me as a client, I will pay you a part of whatever I make. So she booked the apart, the, the, you know, you're not supposed to do this by the way, folks, but she booked an appointment with her boss. This was a long time ago. So. <laughs> <laughs> right. And his name was Kojo Bensel. So he, he allowed me to come in for an interview. He goes, listen, I don't need anybody to place an ad in the Source magazine or Billboard magazine. What I need is media buys. Can you do can you get me TV commercial spots at a good rate? And I go, yeah, I could do that. Sure. So I go back to our main office and I said, oh, my God, Sal, we have a new client. I go, do we know how to buy media? He goes, I know how to buy media. I go, I don't. So he goes, you got to start your own company, Sabrina, because we don't do that here. So he helped me get incorporated. I called my company Stowe Communications, my my last name, my surname. And I go to Kojo. I'm ready. You know, I'm buying media. So what's your budget? So he goes, let me know what you can get. I have a hundred thousand dollar budget and I want nationwide commercial spots. How many can you get me? Hmm. So I call MTV and all these people and I'm like, oh my goodness, you I've got to get on MTV, BH1. You know, I'm thinking about all the music channel shows. Uh, I go back, I present this, this budget. So I go, great. He goes, great. You can buy the media. Let's enter into an agreement and we'll give you a 30 day net. And I go, what is a 30 day net? And he goes, we pay you 30 in 30 days, but we give you this media buy for $100,000. And I'm like, oh, great. So I go back to Sal and I go, oh, my God, I got to get $100,000 right away. <laughs> so Sal goes, you have to establish credit with the TV networks. Make a long story short, he helped me establish credit, but he loaned me the money. Now, Salvatore owned Gelwick's advertising along with another partner. 
So he loaned me $100,000. The record label paid me 30 days later. I knew nothing about doing invoices, a PO, purchase order number, none of that stuff I had to learn on the fly immediately. Lo and behold, one record label turned into the Universal Records, turns into you know, uh, like the entire slew of Black artists. So not only did I have people that no one had ever heard of, no one knew who Erica Badu was, they didn't know who Chico DeBarge was, they did not know who Cash Money and Lil Wayne, none of those artists were known. And I did the 30 and 60 second commercial spots nationwide for them. That ended up getting me other labels, record labels. You know, I met other people by just networking and going to these different events that the record labels now invited me to and expanded my situation. So that's basically how I got into media buys. Like I said, everything is always haphazard, but it was still within the industry that I knew I wanted to be in. Wow. I love it. I love that you share that with us because one of the things that I think blocks people is, I don't know how to do this. I don't know how to do that. And you just took us from how you create a very successful company without knowing exactly you know, what you were getting into, but you listened to what was needed. You listened to the market and you listened to what the customer wanted to buy and made it possible. And that's very admirable. And uh, I think inspirational. So, wow, congratulations. I'm impressed by, but just by that story, I'm taking, uh, making notes But uh, so definitely I can tell the independence uh, that you had as a kid that never left you. And, and that's how you really uh, built very successful company. Now, is that still your company or you are out of it or what's the story there? Yes. So in 1996, I started Stowe Communications. Eventually, I changed the brand name to La Chic, La Revista para Mujeres, mm -hmm. because I ended up publishing a Spanish and English publication that was in stores all over in Sedanos and various different stores uh, because I wanted to be a journalist, like I told you. So I was like, oh, I'm going to be a publisher because no one will hire me as a journalist because I don't have any previous writing credit. So I just created my own publication in Spanish and English. And so the name La Chic Media was the second company that I ended up forming and doing away with Stowe Communications so that I could brand myself along with my publication. Now, I've retired my business just February 2020. And it was like after years of, you know, allowing my business to die down, I didn't know whether I wanted to sell my brand name or not but I did know that I wanted to go in a different direction. And so I finally gave it up this year. Wow. And, and I have to ask this, what prompted you? What's, what was there that you say, this is the time for me to go into a different direction? Just because I think a lot of us feel like that and maybe don't act upon it. So I just want to see if you can share so that other, you know, in the audience, they can spot the signs. What, sure. Did you get bored? Was it not interested? What was it? Well, I think the change, the, the change in technology, I had no choice but to go into a different direction 
Now, keep in mind, I made millions of dollars as a media buyer with budgets no less than $50,000 and sometimes as high as $800,000. I was making 15% of every budget. So once I started having to do more publicity PR work within my company, which meant that's only $5,000 a month. You know, your clients are going to pay on time or they're not because now this is not the record label. These are independent artists and celebrities. And then once technology changed where you could not get a CD, you couldn't buy records in stores anymore or buy a CD. You had now you're downloading. So what what was the reason for an ad on television that said your album is in stores now or coming soon when they would just broadcast it all over the internet for pennies on a dollar? Yeah. So I could not maintain my lifestyle that way. And I was afraid to make a change. You know, I hung in there as long as I could. And then when I discovered, like, I didn't want to get out of bed anymore and do this. I knew then that I needed to make that change. Now, I've had that feeling for about three years ago from today. Mm -hmm. And it took a gradual period of time to like be picky about what clients I were gonna t was going to take. It, will they be a headache? Like, will I want to get out of bed? Do I want to promote this person and make them famous? And it boiled down to, no, I'd rather focus on myself and some of the things that I want to do. So well, good for you. Good for you. And, and that brings us to present day. And by the way, I think that what we're going through, you know, with the, with the, this virus outbreak, I think a lot of people are going to revisit because life as we know it, you know, it's going to be no more. Like when we go back, even if we're still on the same job, we're going to see things different. And I think this is a really a unique time to reinvent ourselves and have new challenges. So, so you then became, you bought a professional soccer club. Well, not exactly. Okay. <laughs> so um, I, I married a great guy uh, about six years ago, and he's a former NFL European cornerback okay. who is an, uh, a New Yorker, Dominican-American background. He's a first-generation Dominican, and, my, and he also works for the federal government. So the federal government gave him a leave of absence to do his passion and play football. He couldn't make the football team here in the NFL in the States, but he was able to play NFL in Europe. And I was like, let me help my husband. We travel a lot throughout South America mm -hmm. and we go to Brazil, we go to Colombia, we're everywhere. And all of our friends, they had husbands who played professional soccer. So they knew that Alex played football and they were like, oh, football. And we're like, no, 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 American football he played. However, South Americans wanted him to represent them or help them get to the next level, but in the United States because of the economical difference, mm -hmm. um, the pay that they could get here. And some of them were a little older and more, you know, already had been to Europe, but they're playing in their countries now. So Alex went home, we went home to New York and I said, he said, I should be an agent because he had been studying to be an agent for the NFL. And I go, okay. So we call United States Soccer Federation. And I said, you know, my husband would like to be an agent. 
How could we fill out the application? So the lawyer at USSF is what U.S. Soccer Federation is called. He says, listen, call back in a year and I'll let you know what to do. So we never knew about the FIFA scandal or any of that because it was not publicized yet. So I called back a year later. The man would not answer the call. He wouldn't pick up the phone. I left him messages and I said to myself, I am a publicist. I'm a journalist. How would I get in touch with whoever is the head of this company? I Googled who is the president of United States Soccer Federation. And it was a man named Mr. Gulati. I I looked up how to contact Mr. Gulati. He ended up being a professor at Columbia University. So I called Columbia University. I said, I want to speak to Mr. Gulati. They transfer me to the, his line <laughs> and he answers the phone. And I'm like, oh, oh my wow. God. I go, Mr. Galati, <laughs> this is Sabrina Geraldino. My husband has his master's degree. He's, he works for the federal government and he's a former NFL football player. He wants to be an agent. I don't understand why you people won't get back to him, but what do I need to do? Because we need to make this happen right away. We have people we want to represent. So he goes, email this person. And I emailed the person and said, I spoke to Mr. Galati who told me to email you. The guy replied right away. My husband was an agent within 10 minutes. Wow. Well, now I know who to call when I don't get responses. <laughs> yes, people say, if you want something done, call Sabrina. That's, I'm known for that. Um, That's good. So, that, that should be also. Anybody listening, you listen to this story. You know, you have to take action and pick up the phone. I, I sometimes am impressed with people not even calling anymore. Like they want to send an email and they, and they expect the email to be responded. You have to show that you want it, right? Yes. And you have to be determined. A lot of people don't, you know, they're afraid. They're uncomfortable. I was very uncomfortable when he picked up the phone, Mr. Gulati picked up the phone and I now had to get outside my comfort zone. I'm on the phone with the guy. He's never seen me. He doesn't know who I am. I had nothing but a chance to take, right? Mm -hmm. or it's either I sit back and expect something to happen or I become proactive and I make it happen for us. So that's basically, you know, we ended up My husband ended up becoming an agent and he goes to an MLS draft in California. So he's walking the convention and he meets another guy who actually is one of the owners and commissioner of a league. And the guy asked him, do you want to be a commissioner on the Northeast? Because we're starting up a soccer division in the Northeast. And my husband said, no. He goes, do you want to be an owner? And my husband must have said yes, because <laughs> I was now shopping for a condo in Aventura where my friends live in Florida. I just wanted to get a condo and move out of New York and just come home a few days a week into New York. And my husband said, go ahead, go for it. So I'm having a realtor look up homes and my husband goes, oh, by the way, you can't buy this condo in Miami because I just invested in a soccer team. And I was like, what? Oh, so my God. You know, he, I lived in Aventura many years, so we would have been neighbors, but okay. Oh my God. <laughs> so, so, and so you, so he ended up buying the team. So he bought a team, but see, my husband is a bureaucrat and I'm an entrepreneur. And just by us conversing about the business, like I set up his incorporation, got him the tax ID number, blah, blah, went through the whole thing, helped him. But I could tell that he was not 
as ready to own a company the way I knew how to run a company. Not to say that he couldn't, but just our language. When you're speaking to a bureaucrat versus an entrepreneur, you hear different things. And immediately I knew I've got to get behind him and go a thousand percent with him because his expertise is sports. Mine is business. And I knew it'd be a great situation. So I He created the name New Jersey Teamsters Football Club. We had to go through hiring people, you know, firing people. And then we eventually played our first season the following year. But we had a lot of practices, a lot of tryouts. I was reading Soccer for Dummies. Keep in mind, my husband nor myself, we've never played soccer a day in our life. I've never even kicked a ball until last year. (laughs) Well, I'm a big fan. I'm Italian descent, so I'm a big, big fan. Nice. Yeah. So we we eventually learned the business of soccer by going to different conferences all over the world. Uh, we started out going to Soccer X. We met a ton of people in Manchester. You know, in UK is where soccer was started. Uh, and then we just grew our network and whatever we didn't know, people was willing to help us figure things out based on how passionate we were. They knew, they they don't really, around the world, they don't look at MLS or, or any level of soccer in the United States as a big deal, but they respected our passion and are willing to think outside the box and to do things the European way. And so we got so much help just by friends making sure that we knew what to do. And then our own trial and error and our own growth and studying the business of soccer. So we fell in love with soccer. Like now it's like the number one sport to us. We would prefer to watch that than American football. Yeah, well, I'm with you on that one. I've been here 23 years and uh, I think this Super Bowl is the first one I watched complete because it was in Miami. I had to, but <laughs> right. But yeah, I'm, I'm a big soccer fan, I have to say. So anytime I'm up there, I'm going to come check you out. Yes, you have to. So, and so this is the new adventure, basically. Are you enjoying working with your husband? I am enjoying it. You know, we started out as a semi-pro team. And as of March, I'm sorry, February 2020, we had finally gotten to the pro level. It took six months of applications and being vetted and, and interviews and giving up money and I love working with my husband. I never thought I would say that. (laughs) That's why I ask it. I've worked with my husband and that was the number one question people would would ask. And we actually enjoy working together, actually. Yes, likewise. I really enjoy it. You know, for the first two years, it definitely was tough. I was not used to a partner. I had been a sole proprietor of my own corporation, whereas I had to learn to you know, not demand, like, we're going to do this, we're going to do that, you know, this is what I'm used to doing. And I had to say, what do you think about this? It was just tweaking my language, changing my attitude about how I, I looked at his opinion. And he had to learn to do the same because he's an athlete from a male dominated world. Plus he's Latino, which they have their own ideas about where a woman's role should be. So I had to prove myself to him on why I should hold 
another position other than silent partner and marketing director. And then I moved up to COO, chief operating official. And now I'm the CEO and he's the president, but he now listens to my opinion a lot. So it's really good. And like I said, I had to be flexible people. So many people are not willing to be flexible in how they learn things and how they communicate and how they deal with just life. And I had to learn to be flexible and it's worked. Well, that's, I I think it's fantastic advice. So is there anything, you know, that, I, I mean, I think this has been fantastic. All you're doing, it's very inspirational. I have one more question before we finish the interview, but I also want to give you, you know, an open microphone, which you're very familiar with. Is there any message in particular that you wish to share with the audience of Back to Basics? I would like to share with the audience just to, you know, live your passion, live. You won't know your full purpose until you've reached a certain age. But if you live a life that you are happy with, you being kind to people, you know, learning, being willing to learn, don't stop learning, being flexible with your decisions and hang around a lot of people that can help you and also be the person in the room that could lend the same type of support and mentorship. If you're the smartest person in the room, you're probably in the wrong room is what I say especially the millennials, to learn the long way. Play the game for the long haul. Don't do things because it's easy to do or it's faster to do because you everything is at the click of your fingers. What if none of this was here? What if you had no computer? You should know how to go to the library, look, look up something on a microfiche, And you just need to be diverse. You have to think outside the box. You have to know that if you have no tools, how will you get the job done? To me, those are important things. And to try to give back. It may not be financially, right? Not everyone can afford to, to donate. However, each one can teach one. And that's basically what I have. And stay determined. Every no gets you closer to a yes. Oh, I love that. Having done sales a, a big chunk of my life, I I can appreciate that. Every no it gets you closer to a yes. Yes. Absolutely. Wow. Did, uh, that was a lot in there. I think you, you ha- have you written any books yet? Because I think that probably is in store for you at some point. Yes. I would love to write a book, my memoir. I would also like to do speaking engagements and, and I am doing that actually. So I haven't written my book in full. I've written chapters and every chapter has a lesson that my mother taught me. That would be the name of each chapter. So I do have the concept. I just have to spend time doing it. And as far as speaking engagements, you know, as a woman owner of color in the soccer industry or football industry, that's a major situation. So I've been asked to speak now and I've just received a medal of uh, for Women's History Month from my, my city and county, what I would have been speaking there. So I'm about to do all the things that I've wanted to do in addition to what I'm doing now. And I love it. Wow. And I thank you so much for even 
thinking of interviewing me. It's it's definitely a pleasure to talk about goals and and just staying focused. I love this concept. No, and I, and I love having you on board. And obviously, one of the biggest thing I've been working on is to have women and interview women. As I think this is the year and the decade of women. Finally, we're getting more platforms to speak up. You're you're in obviously in a in a male dominated, let's say, industry. I'm in a male dominated industry, so I I think there's more opportunities now for us to speak, and that's great. And to have leaders like you and people that have walk the path before, it's very inspirational. So I'm pretty sure that some of our listeners out there are going to be very inspired. I'm going to grab the phone and call whomever was not answering to them and say, I'm going to pull a Sabrina here and I'm going to get an answer. I, I, I know you've inspired me. My last question, I cannot finish the interview without it. If you have, you know, an hour, a couple of hours and you're feeling down and you're feeling like you don't even know what you're doing, one of those days that you don't want to get out of bed, is there anything in particular that you can go back to and makes you tick, gives you butterflies and say, oh, yes, I, I can do this and, and remember who I am and get my energy back? Ah, that's such a great question. When I... Well, A, I'm learning to be consistent with working out. I don't like working out with weights. So I've discovered Pilates and some other class stretch courses that I'm taking, even online right now, because living in this New York, I have no backyard. I have no rooftop. I have no balcony. And I have to stay mentally and physically fit. I also do a lot of reading. I'm currently reading Ray Dalio's book, Principles. I only read, well, I don't only read, but the majority of types of books that I read are biographies, memoirs, and autobiographies. I study successful people. So whenever I'm feeling any type of anxiety or, or, you know, I'm, I'm bored and I need to get back to the essence of things. I used to listen to audio books, but now that's a thing of the past, you know, audio, audio tapes. I'm sorry. The audio books of motivational speakers like Les Brown, Zig Ziglar, um, Jim Rohn. Now I'm into Ray Dalio and a few other people. So reading, is the best thing. Audiobooks are cool, but I like to read now because I stay focused on the story versus I'm listening to things in my headphone. I'm no longer driving and I'm not able to really concentrate. I so that's what I do. Well, this has been fantastic. Well, if you're ever in Miami, we're almost neighbors. I'm still, we were almost neighbors. I still live very close to Aventura. So you're welcome to visit. And I really wish you and your husband a lot of luck in what you're doing. Definitely. I don't have a team that I cheer for in the U.S. So now I do have a team, I guess, that I'm going to cheer for and uh, wish you all the luck. Thank you so much. And I look forward to visiting you in Miami. And whenever you're in New York, you must stop by. Even if we're not playing, we'll grab coffee and chit chat. Absolutely. Well, this has been great. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. And until the next time. Mm -hmm.